Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, September 9th, 2021, otherwise known as... And we only get one choice today, and it's Teddy Bear Day. You guys big Teddy Bear guys? Nah. This one we can just move past. What about when you were a little kid? Come on. Tap into that young Mike. I preferred stuffed animal dinosaurs. Okay. What about stuffed animal dinosaurs, not like plastic ones. That like that would not be comfortable toys. to sleep with. I'm just had saying. Quite a few of those. I was going to have quite a make believe <laughs> critter that was plush and soft. I would rather it be something more top of the food chain. So I mean, hey, bears, apex predator bears, but <laughs> dinosaurs, man. So that was Ben's thing whenever he was a kid. He didn't have a teddy bear. He just had a stuffed dinosaur. Stuffed which, dinosaur. I like that. That reveals a lot. Well, I had a lot of those beanie babies, though. Those I was confused at ones. one point, right? Because at one point, I got a killer whale stuffed animal. Ooh. And I was apex. like, okay. It's an apex predator. On one hand, in the right terrain and environment, this would <laughs> mess up a lot of dinosaurs. And definitely a bear. So right. I'm just saying if I'm going to align myself with something, I want it to be you know more top of the food chain. Yeah, I would never want to disparage the orca but i got an idea here if a dinosaur is in any environment to fight an orca it automatically loses dinosaurs can't swim yeah otherwise it's fighting a beached orca and then that's not very fair right it might as well be a dinosaur versus anything it could be a seal that's a fight that's all about location got them on intelligence (laughs) too they definitely are smart yeah they yeah. got to bait them into the water. That's the real trick. That's the whole thing. They're farther yeah. along on the evolutionary spectrum. But See that for, for something that we were going to just throw away as a topic, I think we got some good tent out of it. Oh, it does. We always get this reminds This reminds me of that scene from the movie The Other Guys where it's the lion and the salmon or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> Chris, you don't know that movie? What's the, I, I've heard of it, but is it a, like a Wahlberg movie? Yeah, with Will Ferrell and Wahlberg. It's real good. You ought to check it out. Okay. That should be, that'll be my obsession this week. Okay. We're hitting it right now. I'm going to rewatch it <laughs> and I will guys. be obsessed. All right, I'll watch it and I'll review next week. Okay, cool. So yeah, what are you guys up to? What's new in the workshop? Ben, you want to go first? I just published a video where I, I wouldn't say I made a sword or an act, even though that's what the thumbnail said. It was like one of those times where I was like, trying to be as honest as possible without like having a paragraph long title. Yeah. <laughs> you ever find yourself in that situation where you're like, I'm not trying to bait and switch here with the, with the thumbnail, but at the same time, there's no easy way to explain exactly what I did. Right. But here was the general premise and maybe you guys can some troubleshoot and you know, now we can update these kind of titles and thumbnails in real time. So what I was thinking was, is, I think we've all seen like a really nice axe or knife or hand tool and been like, wow, that's really well made. That was made by like an expert blacksmith with like 800 years of training passed down by generations and generations. Oh, it's $700 for a non-motorized tool. Well, I mean, he deserves it. He's really amazing at what he does, but I kind of use my knives to open paint cans. So maybe not a great investment for me personally. Mm-hmm. So I've always been looking for like tools that sort of bridge that gap that are effective enough and co- uh, affordable enough where I can actually use them without sort of regard where I'm not treating them like a precious item. I can use them just to get jobs done in any way possible. But I still want them to kind of look cool and not be covered in plastic because I don't know. Aesthetics do matter to some degree. So I've seen all these beautiful axes. And I think the first company I've ever saw make the kind of hip, what I would call like a hipster axe was the best made company. And they dipped the handles in like paint colors. And they were like, I think one of the early ones to do it. They were like two to $300 axes. I guess they're okay axes. I'll defer to an axe expert. Right, but, but they're still not the same for, thing that you were describing before, like this guy that hand forged an axe or something like this. They're, they're, still, mass, they're still mass produced. So that's they what I'm saying. These are mass produced heads with like a customized handle. So that's what I don't want to do. I either want to spend right. a lot of money and know the person that I'm buying it from, but what I don't want to do is just be a cuck for capitalism and like, you know, pay a lot just for like brand. It's like hype beast stuff. Right. It's like you just the brand, yourself the get person making over. it. 
yeah, you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm selling it for this much. Right. That's pretty much probably what's running through their head. So I bought a $30 axe from Home Depot and I saw what I could do with it. And it wasn't like hard. It was just like sandpaper and a blowtorch and I kind of dressed it up a little bit. And that was fine. That knocked that out in like three hours. And I, sh- I resharpened it. Brett kind of gave me a few uh, pointers. Brett from Skull and Spades, shout out. And it looks really great. You saw it, Mike. Like, it looks like a really nice axe. You, I sort of went through, yeah. just like with two by fours, you go through and you pick the one with a nice grain on the handle. You spend a little time with sandpaper. They put this like really heavy epoxy finish. And then I made the faceted sword handle for my little katana. And it actually turned out to like a really nice little video. And it's one of those videos where it's like, Nobody really needs an axe that looks more authentic or nobody really needs a sword that they can use as like a yardscaping machete. But I kind of think it's one of the ones where people are like, I don't need this, but I kind of want it. Right. And every once in a while, we make a project where people put it on Etsy or it's one of those things that people can make and sell. And I think this is one of those things because I remember the axe head. It had all the Husky logos. It's, you know, exactly what you expect from a Home Depot axe. But now everybody go look at it on Instagram or YouTube without the branding and without what you're talking about. That like clean, that clear coat finish. It's the exact same thing. You know what I'm trying to say? It's the exact same thing as what these quote unquote boutique brands are doing. And so if you're making, I don't know, like we're around holidays, but like a Father's Day gift or something for your dad, the axe is perfect. Or this is not heavy duty building. Someone who's just kind of into casual DIYing or into crafts. Like if you've got like a chick with a boyfriend, this is an awesome project for a gift there too. It's awesome. Mike, do you have a chick with a boyfriend? I don't have a chick with a boyfriend. Golly, that would be... I would be the cuck in that scenario. Wow, that word's getting a lot of play in this episode. Usually it doesn't. Is that the episode Uh, title? (laughs) Absolutely not. No, not at all. Customizing a katana blade. I just like how Ben didn't like to say, yeah, yeah, this would be a good project for chicks. (laughs) No. He's got to like divert from agreeing with that statement. I didn't mean it in a bad way. I just meant like it's a good crafty project. It's a great gift idea. Yeah, it's a great gift idea. You're getting something that's reasonably priced. You put a little bit of your own artistic spin on it. And it's right. a usable object that someone else can get. The and other- I'm just imagining that more chicks would make it for their boyfriend than more boyfriends would make a custom axe for their girlfriend. Yeah. I'm not saying those people don't exist. I am stereotyping, though. Yes. Just a little. Well, to be fair, I think the, sar- the sword market might have, if you were to look at the data... I'm just right. saying there might be a pattern. Wow, man. Very <laughs> presumptuous. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Not for sure. Well, we're really tiptoeing around You have around to be today. data-driven in these things. But the other thing that was, I think, probably more hardcore sort of maker news is we've been experimenting with my big, giant concrete saw. So I got this, like, oh, yeah. about a $600 to $800 Milwaukee top-of-the-line battery-powered 10-inch diamond blade like cutoff saw, I guess is what it's called. And we've been saying, okay, this is what they say that you can use it for, but let's experiment a little bit. So we've been cutting rocks in half. Nice. Successfully. (laughs) Sounds like exactly what Caveman did when uh, they they made their first tools. Well, a few thousand years later, we're, we're back to the same thing. Can we cut rocks in half? Man, did we ever cut some rocks in half? We cut some <laughs> granite boulders right in half. And they wow. look like spiral cut hams. So it's a 10-inch <laughs> diameter diamond blade. But, you know, there's an arbor in it and there's some clearance, you know, with the things that, you know, the drivetrain is driving the, the circular saw blade. So it means you only get about like three and a half to four inches of cut. So when you cut like a, a basketball-sized boulder, I guess it's not a boulder, it's just a big rock. You, we had the like center area and then I had to like ha- hit it with a hammer and it cut and it was like kind of a reddish granite. It looked exactly like a spiral cut ham. It's a thing of beauty. So really break it, somebody's teeth with that. If you want to yeah, do a practical joke. So it's like the one time that I'm going to do tool review videos are for tools that I think are actually unusual. Like it doesn't like, I think right. your track saw was like a really good thing because that's like a questionable purchase. Like, can I get by with the, with the, 
the circular saw and just a clamp down thing? What are the sort of pros and cons of this in-between tool that's price effective, but not as versatile as a circular saw, but has a lot of functionality that it doesn't have if you're just breaking down sheet goods. So yeah, I never really thought about that. Actually, like in the tool place, the, the, the reviews only can really exist at the extremes. Like yeah. it's got to be the well, cheapest thing or the most expensive like thing. Right. You're not right. going to just do like, here's like a very most common DeWalt screwdriver that you can get. Like, yeah, we all know it'll be fine. I'm a Ryobi right. guy, but like doing a review video on like a new drill. Everyone knows what to expect. Right. right. No surprises. Right. right. That's, that's a tweet. You just tweet the specs and the price. But every and once in a while, Ryobi comes out with like that auger they recently did. And maybe it's not worthy of a YouTube video, but it's fun Instagram clips and it makes its way into new right. projects. So I watched some review videos for this saw and they were all construction oriented for demolition. So what's sort of missing is okay, I kind of know that I could, if I have a one-off demolition project, I can just go rent a gas-powered Husqvarna or whatever big saw from Home Depot or, or whatever sort of the tool rental place. The question to me isn't a question of whether or not what I can do with the saw in its appropriate category. Is it how do I utilize it if I do actually buy it? What other things can I actually unlock? So we did some concrete demolition. Brett has this like giant block of concrete that's blocking his door and it's like attached to the his front patio slab so we did some demo on that and man that was rough we can cut a three and a half inch deep eighth inch kerf wide cut in about five feet of concrete on one battery so and then over time we actually got a little bit better using it we're, we're kind of extending those numbers a little bit but that's a lot of like concrete movement for a battery that's like the size of, you know, it fits in your hand. But the rock cutting, as I think, is so that's more on the construction side. On the more maker kind of designer side, we're like, well, let's see if we can cut some granite boulders. Got some granite boulders, cut them in half. Let's try a glass block, cut it in half. That's really interesting because even if you buy this saw to do one construction job that pays for the saw, but now you've unlocked a new material that you can often get for free. Some people have like, we have boulders in a lot of our properties. We have free rocks that are, that are granite or sandstone. And this sliced right through a granite rock. And I wasn't even using the right blade. I was using the masonry blade, which is more designed for concrete and cinder blocks. And I got the specialty blades for marble and granite, but I didn't, you know, who switches blades really? And it got, <laughs> me and Brett were just kind of like, you know, it's, it's this massive thing that looks like a zombie apocalypse killing machine. And we're just like, Brett's bringing me rocks. I'm cutting them in half. And we're just going, oh my God, this is awesome. So yeah, Mike came over and we brainstormed and we think we're going to make some really nice furniture projects out of yeah, rocks. Yeah, I think we're there's Flintstones. Flintstones. Yeah. I think there are a whole lot of ideas around being able to do two things using that circular saw and then longtime listeners will remember back when you were working on the shipping container house, that big concrete drill you had to get yeah. to set all those anchor bolts into the slab. Is that also a Milwaukee tool? Yeah, Milwaukee's not a sponsor. Yeah. This is this came through Northern Tools, but like holy crap, they're not cheap tools. Like that's a six hundred dollar drill. This is like a six to eight hundred dollar saw, but like they're good. They're right. really good. And, and also, you are trying to drill through boulders of granite. You're not going through drywall and two by no. four studs. So, no. you know, application, you know, it's all about matchups. But just being able to slice rocks in half so you have a flat edge and then being able to bore into them so you can make, you know, holes for putting things into, you've got Is that a what you're lot. Into? Dude, I said it and I hated that I said it. <laughs> it's like I didn't say anything for a minute, just waiting for you to get at me. But anyways, the idea of just doing those two operations, like being able to slice it and drill holes, you're going to be able to iterate Shake on and that bake. with so many different projects. So I've got a couple ideas with it, too, after looking at all of those rocks. Yeah. So what have you been up to, Mike? Working what on the French cleats? To? Freedom cleats? Man, freedom <laughs> cleats. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. How do I bring this up? Like, it's a good project and it's going well, but man, I just fundamentally messed up on the principles of making good French cleats. 
So, Chris, I'm going to describe this in a way that even even no you way. can no imagine way. what's going on here. Draw me a picture. So, you know how a fringe cleat is just two pieces that nest together with a 45-degree angle? Yep. It's a great way to hang something on the wall. And I'm doing this closet build-out where that's how all the shelves attach so that they can move around. And I've got different things where there's some that are shelves, some that are boxes in different sizes. All modular and fun. But a fringe cleat can't just rely on that 45-degree bevel. It also needs the positive stop of like the material like going down the face of the French cleat. It needs to fit flat against the wall. And right. the cleat itself pushes it out three quarters of an inch. Exactly. And so long story short, the face of the French cleat, the two faces basically that I needed to nest against each other, that face on all of the shelves, I just did not extend far enough. So I didn't have a good positive stop for that French cleat to lock into. They were enough to hold like 10 pounds a piece, but a French cleat kind of can hold as much weight as the material can if you do it properly. And so for half of the shelves, the ones that I know will be moved around, I fixed. That way they would work properly. And then there's a couple that I know are never going to move. The bottom shelves that are just for shoes and then the shelf that goes right above the closet rod. So ultimately, I'm going to stage those up nicely for the video, but I'm probably going to end up just like nailing them into the wall because like I said, they'll never have to move. So it's been one of those projects where It should have been relatively easy. I underestimated it pretty big, and I've kind of made two steps forward, one step back every day. But it's finally getting wrapped, and I'm excited to share it. I think basically added it's it's looking really days on the back end of the project that you thought was going to be done. Yeah, and that was off of that mess up, and I messed up on a couple of other things too. I don't need to get into it. Hang on, it just sounds complaining. But let's play the game of how bad I am at picturing stuff. So what I pictured there was that the the part that goes on the shelf that you cut, the cleat part that goes on the shelf, you did not cut it so that the, sh- the shelf should have to go below the cleat part so that it can or kind of like cram itself past on. the cleat part, yeah. Right. right, yeah. Or it could even just be flush with it if right, your cleat you, has you a cut good it amount. So that it's yeah. above it. So it, yeah, So it's kind of tilting forward. <laughs> Classic Mike. And it was one of those things where, oh man, I should have made the first one and just fit it. Just put it on the wall to see if it looked good and to see if it functioned correctly because I could have prevented all of the others from being wrong in the same way. But I didn't live and learn. But that makes sense because anyone that's done French cleats before, you know, they don't need to watch a video about the French cleat part. They're going to be looking at it more for design aspects. And then someone that hasn't done that before that's the thing that they miss. They don't, they don't think about yeah. that kind of the cleat pushes out. And so you have to extend back beyond the sort of vertical strap. Right. And you've got that forward weight because your shelf is, you know, laterally coming out pretty far. And so the more weight you have there, the more it just wants to tilt and rotate forward. And so right. ultimately that's why I'm being positive about it. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it was a little bit of a headache. It's not like I've got a lot of time that I can waste fixing all these things, but it does make for a good video. You know, let me make the mistake so other people can avoid it. And I was able to document it pretty well. Let me do it so you don't have to. Chris, (laughs) what do you got? I just, Oh, Chris, I just ordered some of your spider legs, your one off specialty design. From semi-exact. And right. I ordered them, though, in my signature color, Casual What's that? Turtle. Oh. What Casual is it called? Turtle. Casual, Casual Turtle. Casual Turtle. Is that what you named it? Yeah. It's a oh, good man, name. I need, to, name. I need to pick some names for the, the ones that I submitted to them. I'm going to come up with some. Maybe we'll crowdsource it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Last, oh, Chris, before you go, just because, Ben, you brought up semi-exact, yeah. a lot of people actually have kind of listened to last episode I've gotten some people that have reached out telling me that they've, you know, emailed and done all the stuff oh, nice. for the semi-exact maker program, which is awesome. I'm excited to see anything anybody makes. But also, we are uh, making content internally and organically with semi-exact. And they've been coming up with a few DIY projects that are really cool. So like like you can find them just on semiexact.com. And one was using it was an executive desk. And Ben, it was using Chris's spider legs, correct? Yeah. Correct. But what was really sick about it is, so it's one of those classic desks where it's a flat top and a file box basically on one side. And so there were short spider legs on the side with the box and then full desk height spider legs 
on the opposite end of the desk where it was all open. I thought it looked really cool. I thought it was a cool way of displaying your legs. And I had never thought about using two different sized legs. Yeah, I think that... And then just building the furniture to make it work. The staggered leg thing presents a lot of uh, unique opportunities. And I know they're looking to expand to different sizes. Like I've seen them kind of reaching out on Instagram, seeing what sizes people would want. They have three sizes right now. So yeah, the more they can get in there, the more that'll open it up to different types of designs. Nice, Chris, I nice. think you need to make a table with the legs that actually uses eight legs. Make an oh, actual spider, spider table. table. Like ben, I that's think kind a of big genius. Circular. Okay, so have you seen? Yeah, yeah. Like April, oval. Our buddy April Wilkinson did a video recently where she did like a very simple wood path, totally crushed, really cool. Oh yeah. But I was looking at that. I was like, oh, that could be a table where you just take a bunch of planks and you make a big circular donut. And maybe you leave it open kind of like so that people can go and eat on the inside of it or that. But it'd be great for like a big outdoor dining area. But that's like a table. If it was a big circle where eight legs sort of spread out at even degree increments would be kind of perfect. But And Chris could actually make it look cool because that that idea could look terrible. Like someone could take that idea and make something that looks awful. But I know Chris would make something that looks really fun. I'll do an actual spider table. I'll, I'll, I'll start thinking about it. I got okay. some ideas already. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be on the list. What are you building on. now, though? What are you up to in the shop? Okay, so more so than what I'm building, what I'm building for, we got a big announcement. We've kind of talked oh. about it already, but it's yes. official now. Today's the, the day. The next, we're going to announce what the theme is right now. The next Rockler Challenge. Dun, dun, dun. And this one's going to be called Hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge. So Woo! let me first, I'm, first I'm going to explain it in layman's terms, and then I'm going to read <laughs> what the the actual copy is so what's that hashtag called again it's hashtag rockler hobby challenge and that's how everyone enters just like we've always done it yeah on instagram on youtube, on YouTube. use hashtag, hashtag rockler hobby challenge all one word Beautiful. so all right it's basically we all know that woodworking is one of your hobbies maybe your main hobby but maybe you have a different main hobby or maybe you have a secondary hobby so it's building something that has to do with whatever that other hobby of yours is. So what I'm building, for example, something that I've always been into and have really wanted one, but have never had one is I love racing video games. So I'm making like a simulation racing rig. Oh, and this, like, like a whole cockpit that you, thought, like you sit yeah. in, like a whole thing. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. You were gonna I, make I'll, one here, of those race car beds for you and Dolores. <laughs> I mean, we could sleep in it if we're, if we're both pretty skinny, I guess. <laughs> Wait, are you already building this? Or yeah, is this still I, sorry, I just texted you guys a picture. On oh, you texted us a picture. Yeah, it, it's gonna look very rough right now because it's basically just like the spine of it that you'll be able to see there. But you picture things attached to that. Oh, the I see. The picture what that you're I'm seeing right now, I, it's like yeah, a profile of like a very organic plywood shape yeah it could be a really cool table base too i like that yeah yeah actually it's (laughs) super strong too like i can stand on the tip of that cantilevered spot and all it needs to hold is a steering wheel so plenty i remember back in the day playing gran turismo we've talked about gran turismo a lot on this podcast i had i had like a playstation 2 set of just the steering wheel and the foot pedals yeah but i have to imagine today that you can get an overkill rig, right? I bet you can. You could probably get a whole oh, you thing buy, already made. Oh yeah, you can spend like thousands made out of, like, of dollars exercise and, equipment material. Yeah, you could buy crazy stuff. But okay, I want to What about build the accessories? Something. Like, what pedals? Do you so, have a shifter? What what kind of stuff? Like, is there a brand that everybody knows? Yeah, is the like best? I would say, uh, probably the best if you're like super into sim racing is like there's like a company called Fantech, and there I think or Fanatic Fantech. I can't remember how to say it, but the one okay. that's like the the most common is Logitech. So they make one for PlayStation that you can get that's, you know, not as great as those ones, but very good and at a reasonable price. So I got that one. I got pedals, steering wheel, and a shifter. What about the seat? And so I I bought a seat too. So what I ended up doing was I bought like the cheapest little rig that I could find because I knew I was going to need parts for it and you can't really buy a lot of the parts a la carte. So I basically bought like a parts rig that I could take like all the like little metal knobs and mounting plates and that kind of stuff from and then adapt them to this so this has been like of probably the most out of my comfort zone that i've ever been on a build just because it's like all of the stuff i'm bad at it's all like engineering and 
you know, having to figure out weird ways to mount things that like, you know, my brain just doesn't want to naturally get into. But that said, like I'm getting onto the home stretches and it's coming out good. And it's like, I can't (laughs) wait. I think tomorrow I'm actually going to like get all the electronics hooked up and on it and like be able to start kind of using it. So I'm very excited to do that. I'm ex- okay. You got to put some of this on Instagram stories. I'm at least I'm excited to see it. But you mentioned you got like a parts kit. Basically, did the seat come with that? Uh, the seat I bought separate. But like, yeah, you can buy a f- just because it was more expensive to buy a rig that already had a seat on it. So I just bought a seat separate also. But uh, what kind of seat is this? Is it, it a would, seat for racing rigs, or yeah, is it a it would, car seat, or so, is it one of those like just chairs that look like a racing chair? It, it would be like if you got an aftermarket chair to go in your car, like, you know, a, a Sparco chair or something like that. But like the mounting hardware is obviously not as robust because it's not made got to it. be able to like get into a car and get in an accident and experience G-forces. But it looks and but it looks and yeah, feels looks, like a real it racing looks like chair. A, it looks like a car chair, like Man, a kind of a exciting. racing car chair. Okay, I got to try that out sometime. I'm going to be excited to try that next time I'm in Whittier. Yeah, I'll have it here for you guys. But anyway, let me. So here, I'm going to read real quick. The actual, like, what they Oh, the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how to enter the Rockler Hobby Challenge. Build a woodworking project that ties into one of your hobbies other than woodworking. Show us your creativity and innovation as you build your project. Track your progress and share final pictures on Instagram using the hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge. We encourage you to also share a video on YouTube, though it's not a requirement. So entries must be submitted by November 30th, 2021 at midnight. So plenty of time. That's two months, people. Right. Your project can be as large or small as you want. You can include other materials beyond wood. The only hard and fast rule is that your project should incorporate and feature some sort of wood. So then for prizes, it's going to be the same as it was last time, Rockler gift cards. So we're doing 500, 250, and 125. And then just the same as last time too, me, Mike, and Ben will pick the winners after sometime after everything's submitted. So sometime in December. Exactly. And we're going to be sending some winners and honorable mentions, a beautiful yeah, can we'll, of simple We'll talk finish. about it a lot. So definitely like, you know, as soon as you're brainstorming, like start using the hashtag, like we want to see that. That was one of the cool things last time is being able to like track the progress of all this stuff. So it's not just like, oh, there's another finished idea. There's another finished idea. You get to see things like as people are thinking about them and, right. you know, we'll be, I would say from here, from now until the end, we'll be talking about it on the podcast and in Instagram. Yep. We're going to be highlighting everybody's projects. We're going to be sharing them as much as we can. So post those progress pictures, like you said, post those aftershots. And because people are going to be posting quite a bit, which we do ask, don't spam it with things that aren't related. Right. Make sure and post more than one kind of finished photo to make sure it gets through the feed. That way, if it's a busy day on the hashtag, maybe post it a next, another day. That way people can see it. Don't rely on just one photo breaking through. Yep. But I'm really, really excited for this challenge, especially. And Chris, you kind of highlighted it just for a second when you were kind of introing it. The idea of having a second hobby, either being the thing that got you into woodworking or being just another thing that you're interested in, because that's sort of like what got me into woodworking kind of, it wasn't like this big, yeah, it wasn't this big pivotal thing, but yeah, I was interested in, you know, making music and doing that stuff at the time. And so I was making or I just made myself a guitar effects pedal board. And then a couple of my friends saw that. So I built them a couple and then I started building a lot of them. And then those same people started to ask me to make furniture. And that was when I started making furniture. And so this is one where I'm really excited for this because for some people it's, you know, it's like a chicken and an egg kind of thing, whether you have another creative hobby or whether it's something that led you into woodworking. I think there's a lot of really unique projects that are going to come out of this that really kind of show who people are because we've got this big community. We know a lot of the people that have contributed all the time, the people that have built a project for from challenge one until challenge now. And this is a cool way for everyone to show like the other side of what they're into, whether it's music, whether it's film, it could be cars and motorcycles. It could just be like gaming or something else. I didn't even mean video games. I just meant like classic games. Right. But I think it's going to be really cool because a lot of people don't show those aspects of themselves. If the majority of what they're sharing is they're making and they're woodworking. I know that's 
that's me, for example. The project that I build is something people know I'm interested in, but it's not something that I'm sharing all the time and it's not anything that is public. And so it'll be cool to kind of like show this side of my personality in a piece of content. And hopefully it gives other people a reason to do the same. That way we can all kind of get to know each other better and make really cool stuff. I think the cool opportunity that exists that hopefully it happens is that it's an so not only an opportunity to introduce this community to other hobbies that everybody Ooh. has, but all those people that are into that other hobby to introduce them to the idea of making things. Yeah, I love that. I hadn't thought about that, which is why I'm really disappointed, Chris, that you are not making the shoe wheel. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll get two projects in. Shoe wheel. I hope so. Since I'm early in the market on this one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that is actually a really cool idea. We're going to be able to kind of piggyback into a lot of yeah. different niches and genres yeah, as sure. a community that we're usually not in. Yeah. It's a awesome. it's a little tentacle out to there. So whether you like playing poker with your friends, you can make your own wooden chips, you can make the table. Yeah. You're a connoisseur of fine wines. Let's see that hey. that that uh Then you made a whole lot of exercise things. equipment. Yeah. You made a whole lot of exercise well, equipment that really broke in. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I mean, hey, that is a primary hobby, exercise and fitness, you know? Yeah. So let's, let's see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for this one. The other thing I like is that the inherent idea of a hobby is often something that you do because you actually enjoy the process of it. You're not doing it for some ambitious outcome. I mean, it might be something you want to get better at, but it's something you probably are doing for the love of the love of the game, right? Not necessarily a business or a side hustle, even though those things can kind of overlap. So I like the idea. I think that's a genre where customization and specificity are really important because if you're doing it just because you enjoy it, you might as well design it and make it in a way that amplifies that. So, hey, it might just be a charcuterie board because you know what? My hobby cured meats. Right. And cheeses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the cool part about it too is I don't know what kind of accessories you could make for Salami a sous vide machine. Pez dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> but there's all those little things like it doesn't have to be a giant project like we're you know we always try and build like relatively larger projects but it could be something small like it could just be somebody that's like yeah i got fish and i made some stuff for like my fish right it could be anything i'm i'm really excited to see what comes and it out doesn't of have it. to be an invention you don't have to make something new it could be something that yeah. organizes the things that you already use yeah that is what i'm doing actually yeah. like it's a furniture piece that organizes a thing so yeah. yeah, that's perfect. So have fun. Start thinking of those ideas and we'll be... We can't wait. We'll be teasing out what we're doing soon. Exactly. We'll be staggering our projects. That way we can kind of keep hype over time. All right. Well, what we're working on is brought to you by a few sponsors this week. First, saw stop. You know what? I actually just saw uh, a listener of the Modern Maker podcast tag us on Instagram and they upgraded to a saw stop. And I'm not saying that we were the the sole creator of that economic activity, but they certainly credited it for us. And I feel really good about that. I feel like we led them in a way towards a very safe saw. Their fingers are going to be safer and they're going to get really nice, clean cuts. Yeah, I've got a saw stop story for everybody. During my French cleat fiasco, which I all I hand cut all of them with the track sauce and circular saw straight edge. Let's just say one of the problems was the cut quality of all of these things because it was compounding errors. If the little wiggle fudge factor of using a circular saw was the only problem I was having with these French cleats, it wouldn't have been a problem. But that that little bit of slap that's usually just a small problem that's not that big of a deal was a contributing factor to everything not working right. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? I ran over to Maker Ranch and I just recut every one of the French cleats using the same stock. I just trimmed them down a tiny bit on the saw stop. That way I knew everything was perfect and it worked fantastic. Cut beautiful bevels. I just always love using that saw stop because the fence and the bed are just so perfectly true and square. And for someone like me that's used to using more contractor grade saws that are not saw stop, this is always really, really nice. So from somebody that doesn't use a saw stop all the time, it's always great when I do. Shout out saw stop. We've always got links down in the show notes if you want to check them out too. 
Today's episode of the Modern Maker Podcast is sponsored by Skillshare, the online learning community. No matter what 2021 brings, you can spend it creating something meaningful with Skillshare's online classes because time is what we make of it. Learn about illustration, design, photography, productivity, and more with Skillshare's online classes. With Skillshare's short classes, you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold, like I did when I recently took video for Instagram, tell an engaging story in less than a minute, taught by Halise Nervez. Staying on top of my Instagram and content game is super important for myself and modern builds, so thanks Skillshare. And right now, if you follow our link, that's Skillshare.com slash ModernMaker, our listeners get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. That way you can take some classes and see what fits you best. Once again, that's Skillshare.com slash ModernMaker, where our listeners get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. And while we're at it, I'd like to give a big thanks to Indeed.com for sponsoring today's episode. The key to success is finding an edge and leveraging it. If you're hiring, that edge is Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview candidates all on Indeed. With Indeed, you get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Plus, you only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. And with tools like Indeed Instant Match, you get quality candidates whose resumes match your job description immediately. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com modern. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash modern. Last time that is Indeed.com slash modern. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. All right, now let's get back to the show. What I want to hear about is past hobbies. Mike, Ooh. I'm sure you were always doing something. You weren't just playing video games and things like that, even though legitimate hobby. I want to hear some of the hobbies that you guys no longer do. Mm. I've got one. And once again, it's really directly related to making things. I used to play drums all the time, like every day. It was kind of like the instrument I was better at. Not even to say I was good at drumming, but I was more proficient at that than anything else. And it was the thing that I enjoyed most. And yeah, I mean, whenever I was like, you know, like 12, 13, I worked mowing lawns all summer, got a kid off Craigslist. It was dope. And then like two years later, I took off all the wraps, stained it a custom color, made oh, nice. custom badges for it. And then like, you know, painted all the hardware to make it like gold. It was really sick. But fast forward another year after doing that project and realizing like, hey, drums are just circles of wood and kind of starting getting more and more introduced into the whole maker YouTuber scene. I started watching videos of people making snare drums where they do this process called making staves where you create a, a, well, like a 20-sided polygon that's basically Mm. a circle. You also call like the pieces of an oak barrel a stave. And so you've got these vertical pieces of wood with with like a five degree, 10 degree bevel on each side. And then what we did is made a table saw jig to use the blade so that that blank could like rotate over the table saw blade Mm. and then trim it to a cylinder on the outside. But- then you also have to make the inside a circle as well. And so for that, we used a router jig with just a nice double flute straight bit. And so you would just, you know, lower the bit a little bit. And then on the same jig that we used earlier, spin the drum blank. And then once you do a pass, move the router over a little bit, do this, do the same action until you have the center into a, into a nice cylinder as well. And so that was probably my main hobby through high school. Like I was just always playing drums. It was very fun. I don't really do it anymore. I don't have a kid out here. If I had a kid, I'm sure I would play around and have fun with it. But boom, that's that's two hobbies that really kind of one fed into another. The more I started building and the more I started getting interested in kind of getting better at that, the less time I spent, you know, playing and making music. But it's cool because they itch the same bone. Do you think you'll ever build a full-on drum kit? I would love to, yeah. Eventually so. In fact, actually, yeah. I won't go into all of that. Yes. Okay, there it is. Just 
<laughs> a quick, simple yes. yes. He will do and it. And if anybody is interested that's playing drums, man, check out just getting shell blanks. You know, you can get the plywood Keller shells for like half the price. You could build a kit for like half the price you would buy a DW kit for. Hmm. And you get the opportunity to customize it, get all the color hardware you want. And if you're into building and it's something that you like doing, dude, you will love playing this, you know? Yeah. You so got to maybe we'll see a drum kit out of this whole thing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that seems like I know one person that could make a set, but I won't go into that. Okay, Ben, what about you? What's your yeah, turn? What's, a hobby? what's your What's your lost hobby? Well, I think it's always been hard for me to enjoy something just for its own sake. I always want to know where is this going? What's this leading to? How, yeah. how am I going to get better at this to the point where... I think I enjoy getting good at things often more than I enjoy doing the things. Like I enjoy the ascension or the progression of improvement almost above the actual thing itself. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Like, uh, so I think my early hobbies were me trying to do things to find out what I could be good at. And then you find something and you do it because you're seeing progression in it. So like martial arts and sports and stuff like that was more traditional sports. I saw like, oh, I enjoy playing these things. I don't see a likely path of progression where it's going to be useful for me. So that means I'm going to minimize my investment to strictly the enjoyment part. And then when you do that, it's like, okay playing pickup basketball with friends and stuff like that. I'm not going to be, you know, spending four hours a day working on my three pointers once I realized that the league wasn't in my future. So (laughs) martial arts was sort of a weird one because I was good at it and I won awards and competitions and those things, but there was no real benefit to those winning those things. It's not like it's a high school sport where, you know, all your classmates are sort of coming to your tournaments and stuff like that, getting the local paper, local news, stuff like that. But that was one where I knew I was good at it, but it wasn't really a benefit coming out of it. It wasn't creating a new opportunity for me. So I think martial arts is probably the one that I spent the most time into it. I kept investing even when I didn't see utility just because there was... I did see progression, but then even after progression and and winning a lot of stuff, it was like, okay, I don't need trophies and awards. Like I need like opportunities. Right. So those were the ones that I sort of did and, and gave up. Oddly, the sort of bracketing that was woodworking was like a hobby very early in life from, you know, like sort of 10 till 14. And then I sort of stopped it when I was playing sports but then came back to it sort of in college and afterwards. So I think that's what was sort of interesting is that the thing I do now for a living started as a hobby early on. And I think that's why trying a lot of things and sampling and you can sample for so many reasons. You can sample to, as I said, to, to test what you're actually good at and what you take to. You can test to see what you could combine with something else, which is why I really like this challenge. But I think just as it's fun to pick up a new hobby, sometimes it's really productive to get rid of one that where the enjoyment is diminished or you're not seeing a great progression. Like you can purge them to make room for new ones. Chris, hobbies. Yo, ice skating. Okay. Yeah, did a lot of ice skating as a youth. Actually, I've never been ice skating. I'm more of an ice dancer. Yeah, <laughs> please get the terminology correct. Uh, actually, so... <laughs> I would say that like, first, let me say this, then I'll go back in time through my hobbies. But some of my hobbies growing up were drawing, filming things with my friends, editing videos. And like, those are all the things that now I look back on as like, oh, those were kind of like college courses to doing what yeah. I'm doing now. Like yeah, it was all those hobbies likewise. that like, it's like at the time there, or there was a point where you could have said like, yeah, they're like all right, well, you courses. just wasted. Yeah, kind of. And, yeah. and and you could have said like, oh, you wasted a bunch of time and money and effort on like something that went nowhere. But it's like, yeah, but then as soon as I started doing this thing, those were very advantageous skills to have. Yeah. Just doing those things probably made you realize 
that even though you're not making videos and all this sort of stuff actively, you're like, well, I know it's a pretty simple thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It gave me the confidence. It's a lot easier yeah. to go into wanting to be a YouTuber and one of the hurdles isn't like, oh, I need to learn how to edit. Yeah. Can like, that's I like even half make videos? It. Yeah. The idea of like, can I even make a video to begin with? Right. I already knew how hurdle. to do that. That makes it yeah. significantly like the first less. Uh, right. So, but if I kind of like just like go back in time through my hobbies. So like from most recent, like shoes, I wouldn't even consider a hobby. That's just like, you know, you collect something. I don't think of that as a hobby. Right. But like all through college, it was music, just like you, Mike. So like, you know, playing music with my friends, having bands and stuff. And then I mentioned it on here before, but like I had turned my bedroom into a recording studio and I would yep. write and record music. That was like my thing. That's what I did. Then, you know, going back before that, it kind of through line one. So like video games, cars have just been like things that I've been into for, you know, most of my life or whatever. And so I guess what I'm building is like the culmination of cars and video games since I'm building. And building. A, yeah. And building. There you go. It's, <laughs> it's the trifecta. And videos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a video of it. Um, let's see. So I've talked about this one before, but like in junior high, I was all about Magic the Gathering. That oh, was no a, way. Oh, man. Really? I was You've deep. said this before? Dang, Chris. Yeah. We Nerd. I'm kidding. I could, I could build some dice. Dude, I that stuff is crazy because I know some the whole tw- Pokemon cards die. got expensive. Oh, yeah. But these magic cards oh, are they're like crazy expensive. on a different level. Yeah, they're insanely expensive. Yeah. And like a lot of it has to do with like the people that were into them, like generally have gone on to do well for themselves. Right, right. So there's, it's like a, a perfect storm of nostalgia meets scarcity meets people that Disposable are like income. day traders and <laughs> yeah. stuff like you that. You know what it is? It's like people that made fun of kids for being in the chess club or playing risk or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry. You think it's a smart idea to make fun of the people that are investing in strategy development early? Oh, that's going to work out well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Magic the Gathering, man. That's a good... Make your well, kids hang out with people playing limits. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I'm not saying... Well, Chris <laughs> dropped Magic the Gathering, and that's what I like. He There's got limits. what he got out There's of limits. it, and he's out of there. It might be a point of diminishing return. Well, you know, he did have to find a woman and have kids, and, you know, you can only do one or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you some pissed off people listening to this. A little savage. Sorry, guys. Uh, um, let's see. What else? I, I think that's... I mean, those are, like, the main ones. Those are the ones that, like, I really think of that, and kind of, like, shaped me and, yeah. You know. Formative yeah. years. Well, now that yeah. we know the hobbies that you're no longer obsessed with, what are you currently obsessed with? Mm. You go first. I will go first. You know what? I'm kind of having fun with, well, one, actually, no, this is an easy one. Cutting rocks. Yeah, dude. No joke. Cutting rocks is my new hobby. It is so much fun. Like, And what's awesome about it is worst case scenario, you cut a rock in half. It's an amazing bookend. Like it looks really neat on a bookshelf. Mm. Like rocks aren't exactly free. But you can find yourself some rocks. And then if you can yeah. manipulate that and cut them into flat surfaces, we also know that like, you know, stone countertops are like hundreds of dollars a square foot. Like they're expensive. So if you can get in a high grade, incredibly durable material that works inside or outside for free, then it's just a question of do you have the tools to kind of manipulate it? So cutting rocks coming soon to my YouTube channels. Yep. And I'm going to definitely try and cluster up with you and at least make one or two projects. That way, maybe like we did with all the plate steel stuff a year or two ago, yeah. kind of build a little kind of library of projects together on that. Cluster it up. Yes, sir. Awesome. Okay, Chris, you obsessed with something? Did I talk about the uh, Mario Paint composer on here? Mario Paint. Okay, no. I'll take that as no. a no. So, Mike, you probably don't remember Mario Paint, but for Super Nintendo, there was a game called Mario Paint that was basically like an early computer creativity thing for Super Nintendo. So, you could draw in it, you could like do animations. And one of the things they had was a composer. So, it would have like different little things. You'd place the notes around, you'd choose the tempo and all that, and you could compose little songs. And so, I always had like a ton of fun messing around with that in junior high. And for whatever reason, I got to thinking about it a week or two ago. And so I was like, there must be a, an online version of this that somebody's made. So 
Sure enough, I Googled it and I found this thing called, oh, now I got to look it up to remember. It's called like Daniel something via uh, DanielX.net. DanielX.net. Yeah, okay, which this, sounds bad. I'm not going to get a <laughs> virus. You promise? I promise you one. D-A-N-I-E-L-X.net. DanielXXX.com. <laughs> Just one X. I'm playing around. Wait, no, it says this. I must have spelt it wrong. D-A-N-I-E-L-X.com. No, dot net. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, there we go. And then it should take you to slash composer slash. Did slash you get to that? Composer slash. I need to click that just, somewhere. You know, if you just Google, just Google Mario Paint composer, it'll like be one of I the got first it. things that comes I just, up. Okay. I typed it in myself. Okay, for the listening audience, if you are struggling along with me, Daniel X, D-A-N-I-E-L-X dot net forward slash composer, composer forward, forward slash. slash. And you'll be there. That'll okay, get so there. this is fun. Okay, tell us more. Yeah. So basically, you have all your like little sounds up there at the very top. You got <laughs> your alien, ice cream, snail, fish, buzz, fox, the whole the whole repertoire of sounds. And then you got your treble clef and your bass clef, and you got all your notes, yeah. sharps, flats, whatever you want. So you can go through and you can play some. You're basically like composing music, and then you can make <laughs> it play, and it'll play it all back. And so. It's like fun. Like I, I can't explain. Like I had so much fun doing this as a little kid, and now to be like, oh shoot, I remember this. So like the other, I, I made some Future Island songs. I recreated those on here. Did you really? Yeah, <laughs> it's fun, dude. It's a good time. It's totally free. Like there is a paid version, but like you can just mess around with the free version. It'll just you just have to click OK every like twenty minutes or whatever. You can save the files, reopen them, export MP3. So it's this a good is really time. Fun. Like goof around with it. You'll you'll. Be like, oh shoot! I just wasted two hours. This is some early internet stuff, like Line Rider or something like that. Oh yeah, was that the like penguin on the snowboard? Yeah, yeah. Or sled? That thing was fun. It was, but yeah, like addictinggames.com yeah. back in the day. Because like now you know that there are so many better like little drum machine apps oh, that yeah. you could have on your iPhone. But I'm playing with it right now while you've been talking, and it's really fun. Yeah, it's a good time. And That's the my songs new I'm making sound terrible. Like this yeah, thing well, I've just gotta, sequenced, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> you got to spend the time right. to get it just right. And so that's your obsession this week. Daniel1x.net slash composer forward slash. You know, we'll just throw it in the links in the show notes down below. Go. All right. Well, my obsession this week, it's going to be a weird one, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to lead with the old, the old NBC show, I think, called Wife Swap. This uh, yeah. is like a early 2000s that. reality yeah. show. Oh my lord. I was just scrolling through Hulu and it suggested it to me. And this was back in the day when TV was just different. Yeah. They really <laughs> So the idea is, you know, it's like trading spouses. The same thing as trading spouses, just a different show. And so houses would or wives would go to each other's houses and live there for like 2 weeks. And yeah. they just pitted the complete opposites together knowing that it would be good TV drama and goodness, it really is. Cause this was back in the day when nothing was PG and it was just crazy, man. So if anybody's interested, check out season one or season two of wife swap. The nostalgia is very funny because everything is cropped in that VHS like square format, oh, the, the four by three, man, it's a time capsule, but it's pretty <laughs> funny. My, my other obsession, the one that I really do want to shout out is Kevin Pafraff. If you guys have seen him on YouTube, it is meet Kevin. He he's in the same genre and niche as Graham Stephan, who I've talked about before, who does a lot of real estate and stock market content. Meet Kevin does the same. So he posts all the time about the stock market, crypto, but he's also got a really, really legit real estate kind of portfolio that he's just built and he's documented on YouTube, just trying to teach people, you know, the best way of getting into investment properties and showing people the mistakes and lessons that he's learned along the way in real time. But for anybody who's looking at the news right now, California, I'm kind of bringing it up because me, Ben and Chris are all three living in California. We're in the middle of a governor recall election for Gavin Newsom because he sucks and people are trying to like go to a restaurant indoors. And so Kevin Pafraff oh, he's running for governor? is running for governor and he's a YouTuber. But the craziest part, he's polling like better than everyone else. And the the big thing with this whole thing is they're kind of trying to make it like, oh, stop the Republican recall, which I understand. But Kevin Pafraff, he's actually a Democrat. He always talks about himself as a JFK style Democrat, which, you know, I understand and I respect. And so 
if anybody's a Democrat, if anybody's interested in this whole recall election, like check out Kevin Paffraff. He has tons of videos on the things that he's interested in as a governor. But the reason I bring it up is we're looking at the future of politics. It's only going to be a matter of time before someone actually wins a race by doing this, whether it's a governor or mayoral race. And then as soon as that happens, we're going to start having congressmen that are YouTubers because of the same reason people watch us instead of HGTV. They know that when we're talking about things, they know it's real. And everyone knows that no one that has an HGTV show is actually building any of the houses that they're flipping. And so I think the same thing's going to happen. Like the authenticity that people really appreciate about YouTube and the content creators on it, it kind of makes sense that if people are that transparent over a long period of time making YouTube content, then people might kind of trust them in terms of whatever agenda they might have politically. So it's all just really weird. And the reason I bring it up is I think we're just at this weird pivotal point where we've seen all of the biggest musicians and pop stars just come up off of YouTube videos like Justin Bieber to Billie Eilish to everyone in rap music. And that happened kind of in the past 10, 12 years. But I think over the next 10, 12 years, I think that same thing is going to happen to all of the people that are kind of sitting in positions of power because there's a level of accountability to it. And I think it's really uh, interesting. What YouTuber you want for president right now, Mike? YouTuber for president? Chris (laughs) Alimony all day. All right. I'm president. And Chris can have a slogan. He'll be like, we're going to build it back better or something like this. You know, he'll have a building pun. Like, you know, every political slogan is almost a pun. And as much as you like dad jokes and puns, you'll be so good at it. Yeah. What if there was something about like it was a play off of that, like, you know, in fine woodworking, you rarely use screws. So it's like we're building something better and I won't screw you. We won't screw it up. Yes. There you go. (laughs) There's got to be a better YouTuber that you can think of for for me for president. Okay. Realistically, YouTuber for president. Let's say tomorrow morning about it. Man, the first really... one that popped into my head was MKBHD. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's actually I think he's legit, like a nice, right, He's a nice level-headed, like smart guy, seems like. He's clearly extremely thoughtful. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I think that's the part that everyone's frustrated with is like that authenticity is like, even if I don't agree with Marquez Brownlee, I have no idea what his ideas are politically. I trust that he's authentically having those ideas. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the part that's going to happen, man. I think people are like, already Congress people and politicians have started using Instagram the way influencers use Instagram. And it's really funny. And it's kind of funny to see, you know, it's just weird. But we're going to, I think some YouTubers are going to steal this show. I think it's going to happen. It's it's totally a possibility. And I think we're going to see it happen. Ben, what do you think about it? I, I preferred stuffed animal dinosaurs. <laughs> He's not here, people. Yeah, I, just I had to agree more. I had, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just dub it. Let's have a editor's choice. He gets to dub in anything that Ben said throughout this whole episode. Just dub it yeah. in right there. Copy and, then, and paste something from earlier. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, that's terrible because I said I couldn't agree more. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I disagree wholeheartedly, Ben. Yeah, I couldn't. That was terrible, Ben. How could you say that twice in one episode? Disrespectful. Yeah. I listened to your uh, your music pick obsession last week, Deaf Heaven. Man, I was going to follow up. I just, I didn't want to put myself out on the ledge and be too vulnerable. What'd you think? It, so it was cool. Like, yeah, it was, oh my God, like such a departure from the other stuff that I've heard from them. Although it's funny, like right at the very end of the last song, like it does go into... It opens up. A little more vintage. So... It didn't really remind me like exactly of anything else that I listened to, but the thing that it made me think of the most, and then I went back and listened to it, is have you ever heard of a band called Mew? M-E-W? Mew. No, I haven't. I'm Googling them now though, so I have them saved. Yeah, check them out. The album, what is the album called? It's got like four faces on it and it's like each head's like getting smaller. It's a really weird looking album cover. Let me find I'm having it. a hard time find it. M-E-W. It should be on there. Yeah, I'm, or I'm trying to find that album. For okay, you. it's called Mew and the Glass Handed Kites. It's from 2005. Handed Kites. Oh, I see it. Wow. Yeah, real trippy. Yeah, it's a very Pretty weird cool looking, looking album cover. Check them out. The first song's kind of an intro. So like, just, I don't think it's that long. So listen to that one and let it like bleed into the second song. And then it, it starts picking up after that. But it it's not exactly the same, but that's what it like evoked the most in me when I was listening okay. to it. 
Awesome. I'm going to check it out. I like this. And we're not going to do too much work. Like, I like the idea of me throwing an album to you and then you throwing an album to me. Like, it doesn't have to be anything like every week we both go back and forth. But this is fun. And maybe some listeners will follow along too. But regardless, we appreciate everybody listening. If you have any topic suggestions, any questions you want us to answer, or just things we should riff on on the show, let us know. And you can do that easily by finding us on Instagram. Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture. Ben is at Benjamin Ueda. And I am at Modern Builds. Collectively, we're at Modern Maker Podcast. If you are interested in picking up some simple finish for your Rockler Hobby Challenge, do it. And it's available while supplies last, as you guys always know. But we appreciate the support. And we will see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. (laughs) That's what that. Bye. All right, we'll see you, everybody. Later. Awesome. That was a a great show, man. I think that was a really good show. It really picked up those last 10 minutes when uh, Ben got out of here. Just joking. I I preferred stuffed animal dinosaurs.